I'm John DiLiberto, and you're hearing the Echoes podcast from PRX. Today, I've got two icons from the past, both of whom are still making great music. Andreas Vollenweider and Mike Oldfield. Andreas Vollenweider was a giant in the 80s and 90s with his world fusion approach to instrumental music, all centered by his electric harp. Then, after his Air album in 2009, he disappeared for 11 years. No music, no concerts. But he's back with a new album, Quiet Places. It's Echo's October CD of the Month, and he wrote a novel. I catch up with Andreas Vollenweider. Then we revisit a classic on its 45th anniversary, Mike Oldfield's Omadon. If you only know Oldfield from his 1973 hit, Tubular Bells, and you've been missing some incredible music, among them Omadon, which many consider to be his best album. It came out in 1975. When Oldfield released Return to Omadon three years ago, we talked about the inspirations of his original epic work. I listen to music, Irish music, and there's something in your blood. And it really is, if I hear something Celtic, some, my ears prick up and I just identify with it. So it's always been part of me. Meanwhile, we've got a poll going at Echoes, and it ends on September 24th. For our 30th anniversary, we want to anoint five new additions to the 25 icons of Echoes to bring us up to 30. Go to echoes.org now and click on the link to vote. You can also enter a drawing to win one of our Echoes 30th anniversary t-shirts. Go to echoes.org now and vote for the 30 icons of Echoes. And now we go to a quiet place with Andreas Vollenweider. In the 1980s and 90s, there was not a bigger instrumental artist than Andreas Vollenweider. He won a Grammy in 1987 for his album, Down to the Moon. He put six albums into the Billboard 200 charts, nine albums into the top 20 of the Billboard's New Age chart, including a number one album. And he sold out concert halls across the globe. He did it all using the harp as his main instrument. Then he disappeared. It's been 11 years since Andreas Vollenweider released an album or played live. So let me reintroduce him. I'm Andreas Vollenweider, and I was born October the 4th, 1953, in Zurich, Switzerland. And I used to play music, but now I'm into writing, so it's a bit confusing. And that's the problem. Except for a special project and little one-offs, Andreas Vollenweider hasn't been plucking his harp very much. So let me remind you what he sounded like some three decades ago at his peak. Andreas 
full inviter from his 1989 album, Dancing with the Lion. It's been over 14 years since I last spoke to full inviter. Looking at him on our Zoom call, his face isn't quite as cherubic as it used to be. He wears round, wire-rimmed glasses, and his long, curly brown hair is gone to gray, and he's grown a full beard to match. But he remains as jovial, wide-eyed, and enthusiastic as he's ever been. He hasn't been playing, but he did write his first novel called In the Mirror of Venus. It's born from the philosophical and spiritual trek that Full Inviter says he's been on all his life. Being in music all my life, since very early childhood, since my family was a musician family and everybody was into music, I have learned things about music that are hidden, that are far beyond the entertaining aspect or the acoustic decoration. It's more about the deeper powers of music, which is a nurture imagination in a wonderful and open way. And imagination is our most important tool. Without imagination, we don't get anywhere. <laughs> and music has a, a way of training our imagination, of triggering, stimulating our imagination. Since I have learned that from early childhood on, there were questions that arose from being involved with music that were so profound. I drove my family crazy uh, with asking thousands of questions and nobody could really give me a good answer. And my question was, where is the beginning of, of everything? Is, does it start when I see it or does it start much earlier? Where is the beginning of the beginning of the beginning? That's not exactly a small question and one that is possibly unanswerable, but Full Inviter has decided to tackle it in a novel. The book is about a young boy who is basically asking these questions. He plays cello very beautifully and he is able to touch people profoundly and has an extremely almost yeah, mysterious effect on people because in his music there's so much, because he's such a little child, there's so much beauty and so much innocence that it resonates in the people that listen to his music and it creates situations in the people, it triggers and stimulates uh, something really mysterious. And I don't want to go too much into the details, but it's basically a little bit my story of going into music and, and realizing that music is much more than what we think on the first sight. And, and it's a story about uh, this little boy who gets older and, and tries to find answers to these questions. Once he finished the book, Andreas Fullenweider picked up his harp and began making music again. His new album, Quiet Places, is a companion to the novel, but it isn't a soundtrack. It's not so direct, the relationship, it's, it's not the soundtrack, but it is inspired by this process that I've been going through by writing the book, diving deep into this whole subject. 
into what is music, what can it do, what is really... And that naturally leads you to, what am I? <laughs> What's the deeper me that is responsive to deep moments that move you? That What is this whole process actually and how is it? What does it do to you? The process that brings him closer to this ideal is improvisation. Quiet Places, his first album in 11 years, is a much simpler affair than his earlier releases with large ensembles. For the most part, it's just him and cellist Isabel Gayweiler. I would like to make a music that tries to reach deeper. And for this reason, it has to be simple and pure. And it has to be honest in the sense of most of what you hear on that album is improvised, comes through improvisation. We call it thematic improvisations. That's, uh, we improvise for hours and then there's little, little fragments that are shaped and then you, you memorize these fragments and then you play again f completely free and then you remember some of these elements and you weave them in. And then suddenly you think it's written, but it is all completely free. <laughs> style of free improvisation is something Andreas Fullenweider has been doing since he was a child playing the flute. His father was an organist. You know, I have been playing with my father practically every day. My father was a bit of a difficult person because he was so much into music. The only way you could actually connect with him was through music. So if I wanted to have a relationship with my father, I needed to play. So I played with him. I played the flute and he played piano or harpsichord or, or organ and we played for hours and by playing this in this way improvising totally free I have learned that this is the interesting part in making music playing without anything planned any strategy or, or just play and that's exactly what we've done on that album Fullenweider is accurate in saying that it sounds composed. Tracks like Entangled could be neoclassical works, inspired by the likes of Arvo Pert or Johann Johansson. But nothing was actually composed. Nothing of it was planned. Even Entangled is a very good example. I just sat at the piano, Isabel was sitting at the cello, we started playing and that's what it is. And there was nothing prepared, except for the end. We knew where we were going to end.
Andreas Vollenweider is a multi-instrumentalist, but his reputation rests on the harp, and it must be said that he created the harp renaissance of the 1980s. He was inspired by recordings like Alan Stavell's Renaissance of the Celtic Harp, but Vollenweider pushed the instrument to a new level of popularity. It remains the core of his musical soul. I must say, with Behind the Gardens, this first album... Uh, that we've done in the, uh, in the 80s, uh, beginning of the 80s, that was when I have realized what also the harp can do. You know, the harp has a, such a almost mysterious quality, or at least it has had it at that time, because nobody knew how, what, what is this sound, where it, does it come from, how does, how does it play. I have developed my own way of playing, and so people were very confused, and that's, that was really wonderful. They had to just dive into the music. Andreas Vollenweider's home country, Switzerland, has fared much better than others during the pandemic, but it spurred Vollenweider's first public concerts on YouTube. Hello, welcome back. The journey continues. That's a surprising experience, I must admit. At first, I have completely underestimated this. I thought, hmm, uh, this is so uh, virtual, it's, it's just a... Uh, yeah, it's not real. But then I've tried, and after my first uh, try, <laughs> the people have reacted so strongly. I have felt a closeness, a strange kind of closeness to them, to the listeners, that I would have thought that this is not possible. Vollenweider is continuing his concerts, the most recent as of this recording, was posted on September 9th. After all that we talked about, it seemed a bit redundant to ask Vollenweider what the quiet places meant to him. But I did it anyway. That is the place where you liberate yourself from external influences, where it's really quiet and you hear your voice, you hear your heartbeat, you see your dreams. It's about you and about the deeper you. And you may hear the music of Andreas Vollenweider as well. His new album is Quiet Places and his new novel is In the Mirror of Venus.
If you want to add Andreas Follenweider's Quiet Places to your collection, go to our website at echoes.org, and I'll have a link to it in the posting for this podcast. Or you could join the Echoes CD of the Month Club now and get this album, which is our pick for October. Every month, we select our favorite album and send it out to members of the Echoes CD of the Month Club. These are the super Echoes fans whose financial support help make Echoes possible. Join them in getting great albums every month. And Christmas is sooner than you think. It's a great gift for the music lover in your life. And now, let's travel to Omadon with Mike Oldfield. Mike Oldfield is best known for his debut album, Tubular Bells, whose familiar opening theme you're hearing right now. But for many people, his first masterpiece was his third recording, Omadon, released 45 years ago on September 25th, 1975. Three years ago, Oldfield released a sequel to that album, Return to Omadon. In the process of talking to him about that, we of course talked quite a bit about the original Omadon. Today, as we celebrate Omadon's 40th anniversary, I'm going to return to that interview with a few changes. Mike Oldfield has never been in the world of popular music except for a brief shining moment in 1973 when progressive rock ruled and he released Tubular Bells, especially after it was used in the film The Exorcist. Now, after 26 wide-ranging albums, Oldfield cast back to one of his best-loved recordings, 1975's Omadon. He reimagines it for the 21st century. Look at a modern pop recording, and there could be 10 writers, 3 or 4 producers, several engineers, and dozens of musicians. Mike Goldfield's new album, Return to Omadon, is just him composing, producing, engineering, and playing the 20-plus instruments on the album the old-fashioned way. Well, playing everything by hand, not uh, programming the computer and hit go and say, let, let the computer do it. You'd actually do it by hand with a the microphone, you know, and proper instruments. And I don't even like to use uh, electronic click track anymore. I've got my old metronome, you know, which I wind up. Born in 1953, Mike Oldfield is easing gracefully into his later years, still with a full head of long, gray-streaked brown hair and watery, pale blue eyes. Speaking on the phone from his home in the Bahamas, you can constantly hear sounds of him rolling cigarettes and lighting them. Return to Omadon is a follow-up to his third album released in 1975 when Oldfield was just 22 years old. The original Omadon found him evoking some of his Irish roots as an homage to his mother. 
She uh, was obviously from Southern Ireland. She was from County Cork, in a little town called Charleville. Didn't know much about her. That she had a couple of Irish friends, and they spoke in you know the broad, oh be Jesus, that they were all you know they talk like that. But she would do extraordinary things. Like um, suddenly she would start reciting this um, epic poem. And she could go on for hours and recite it all from from memory, you know. And then she could also, when she felt like it, do the Irish dancing, you know, which looked very strange at the time. And um, so there was this sort of little cell of Celticness which I grew up with. Uh, so I was always conscious of that. And I, I listened to music, Irish music, and there's something in your blood. You know, it really is. You know, if I hear something Celtic, something, my ears prick up. And I identify with it, so it's always been part of me. The first Omadon is filled with Irish whistles, the Boron drum, and included members of the Chieftains, among others. That sound comes back like a distant echo on Return to Omadon. It's not a recreation of the original, but employs instruments, themes, and moods from 42 years ago. He also returned to the old format, recording the composition in two 20-minute parts. He doesn't think of it as a CD, and download, or stream. Two sides of an album, of a vinyl album. That's what it is. Echoes of the original are all over Return to Omadon. In 1975, he used the South African percussion troupe Jabula. For Return to Omadon, Oldfield is a one-man Jabula. <laughs> I obviously can't play like them, but the, um, the combination of the um, African drums that I had and a little bit of improvisation. I didn't, didn't want anything so complicated as that. I just wanted a very simple tribal rhythm. Another echo of the original is the famed Omidon Chorus. It was originally sung by Clodagh Simmons. This is also where the title came from. The, the vocalist, Cloda, um, she was singing sort of na-na-na or la-la-la or something. And I thought that was a bit boring. And I asked her, you know, can you put some, doesn't have to mean anything, can you put some, uh, you know, consonants, some kind of made-up words to what you're singing? I think she called her mother in Ireland and she got some Gaelic words. And... Uh, when she'd written it, 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 it looked to me like Oma and then Dawn, two words. And uh, 
I later found out that um, it was a kind of phonetic spelling of, of a word in Gaelic, Irish Gaelic, which means fool or idiot. While Oldfield played everything on Return to Omadon, he couldn't play that role, so he actually used the original recording, but transformed. Yeah, kind of. It's, uh, it's got bits of the original and reversed waveforms. It's, I took the original and I convoluted it, I reversed it, I, I made something that I've learned how to do, you know, which is to take bits of things and make something new out of something old. Goldfield may play many instruments, but his most distinctive sound is on the guitar. You can recognize Mike Oldfield's tone with just two notes. It's a replacement for the human voice for me. And I'm able to play just a very few notes and say something that sounds you know, committed and important just with you know, three or four notes. Omadon was made in a time of turmoil. Oldfield was still trying to handle the massive fame bestowed upon him from tubular bells when he was only 19. And in the middle of recording, his mother died. I was pretty uh, angst-ridden, I must say, you know, difficult times. Uh, loss of my mother was a, a big thing. Similar shadows overlay return to Omadon. Oldfield's eldest son, Dougal, died suddenly at the age of 33. Part of the return to Ordeon has been gone through some very difficult times, you know, with loss of family members, that kind of thing. So, in a way, it echoes a little bit the um, difficult times of those of the 1970s. Although there is turmoil and loss behind Return to Omadon, the overall feeling is pastoral and quietly epic. It's a return to the aesthetics and expansive musical language he pioneered on albums like Tubular Bells, Burgess Ridge, Omadon, and Incantations. So it's been a long journey, and um, with this album, I've actually kind of completed the circle, or the loop, if you like, and come back to the old way of doing things felt that it was okay to be the musician I started out to be again. Now that Oldfield has returned to Omadon, he's about to rebang Tubular Bells. It's been revisited twice already, not including the re-recording, Tubular Bells 2003 or Orchestral Tubular Bells. He says he's reworking the main theme right now. 
In the meantime, Mike Oldfield's return to Omadon is out on Warner Brothers Records. If you want to add Mike Oldfield's Omadon or Return to Omadon to your collection, go to our website at echoes.org, and I'll have a link to them both in the posting for this podcast. Next week on the Echoes podcast, Gracie and Rachel, a charming, intoxicating duo making some cerebral dream pop. We talk about black and white pandemic, Gucci Gucci, and their new album. I have them in the Echoes podcast next week. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. I'm John DiLiberto. This has been the Echoes podcast from PRX. See you next week, tonight, on the radio, somewhere in the country, or at Echoes Online, right now, or whenever you want.